This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 106. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's topic, a killer option for choosing potent 30B6 designees. Hey, everybody, I hope you're all having a fantastic week. We've got a great tip for you in this episode, and it will benefit you whether you defend or sue organizations as part of your practice. Let's get started. And let's first begin uh, with looking at this from the perspective of those of you who represent organizations. I frequently hear complaints about the problems in choosing the best possible witness for designation as a corporate representative under federal rule of Civil Procedure 30B6 or its many state equivalents. Who to pick? How to pick them? What if the seemingly obvious choice inside the organization just isn't a strong witness? What if there is no strong witness inside the organization? What if the so-called most logical choice is a former employee, but who still won't be a strong witness? Maybe they've lost their edge, and so isn't someone who's going to be able to stand their ground in the face of relentless attacks by very bright opposing lawyers? What if the topics are technical, and you'd really like a corporate rep who's up to that technical challenge? Corporate reps, of course, are speaking for the organization, so they've got to get it right. Well, the tip for today is this. The person you choose does not need to be a current or even former employee of your organizational client. Put another way, they need not have had any prior connection to your organization whatsoever before you choose them as your designee. Many litigators overlook this opportunity that the rule creates. But as long as your designee consents to testify on behalf of the organization, it doesn't matter where you find them. Now, of course, they must be able to testify competently about the topics, meaning that you're going to have to stuff them full of knowledge like you would any corporate rep. But I would encourage you to rethink the default notion that the designee has to be a current or former employee or has to have had some connection to your client. It does not. In one case I've got for you in the show notes, arising in a securities litigation case, one of the defendants there, a large international bank, actually went out and hired a Stanford University Law School professor on issues of corporate governance to be their 30B6 representative on issues of due diligence that had arisen within the case. So that bank went world-class in effect hiring an expert as a fact witness to come in and testify as the corporate rep. In another case we've got for you in the show notes, multiple corporate defendants all retained the same person to testify as their corporate representative. That designee had never worked for any of the companies and also didn't speak any English. Court there says in response to a challenge, doesn't have to work for the companies. And in this multinational world, it's not unusual that a witness might not speak English. They had translators. So when doing your homework to find the strongest possible corporate designee, I would encourage you to look far beyond the confines of your client's current or former payrolls. Depending on the topic, it might well be someone with specific expertise in the area to be covered in the corporate rep deposition. It might be a university professor. It might be a computer scientist. The point is that you can turbocharge your 30B6 game 
by purposefully choosing a very strong, knowledgeable witness outside the organization. Now, how do we know this is okay? Well, first we know because the rules tell us. And as always, we've also got some good cases in the show notes. Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 30B6 says the following. The named organization must designate one or more officers, directors, or managing agents. And here's the key part. Or designate other persons who consent to testify on its behalf. It doesn't say other persons who are current employees. It doesn't say other persons who are former employees. The rule itself puts no limit on who you can designate as long as that person consents to testify on behalf of your client. So you have near unlimited options in terms of ramping up your designee selection. I'll give some examples in just a moment from the cases in the show notes. Now let's look at it from the other side. How does this concept benefit you if you sue organizations? Well, if you're suing an organization, you may from time to time set corporate representative depositions and then immediately encounter resistance. Maybe your adversary is going to say, well, we're still working on picking someone within the organization, so we can't agree to a date right now. Or we're reaching out to former employees because no one currently employed with us is going to be able to testify about these issues. Maybe what you hear is we're a small company. There's just one owner and our owner is currently under indictment or facing criminal charges. So he or she just can't appear right now as a corporate rep. So we're going to have to agree on a stay of the case until the charges are resolved. No, the response to lawyers trying to delay your corporate rep deposition is no, no, and no. You press ahead. You let them know they can pick anyone to come in and testify, but they've got to pick someone. And that's the lesson from the Dobbins case in the show notes. There the court said rule 30B6 does not provide a mechanism by which a party can simply refuse to produce or prepare a designee on noticed topics. So we tell our adversary, you pick, but you've got to pick someone. So knowing this principle from the rules, that it doesn't have to be anyone connected with the organization, will help you as well avoid unnecessary delays and roadblocks. If an adversary files papers to postpone your planned corporate representative deposition, that's how you approach it with the court. So for example, if you run into a Fifth Amendment argument, this is a great counter. Even a small company run by one person has the ability and the obligation to choose someone, to designate someone. Footnote here, as we've talked about in other episodes, corporations have no Fifth Amendment right. So if the sole owner of the corporation says, well, there just isn't anybody else, well, now you know there is. They can choose anyone whatsoever connected to the company or not. Why does this work? Well, one is because setting a 30B6 gets around Fifth Amendment objections. A corporation cannot assert a Fifth Amendment privilege, as we talked about in other episodes. Two, because this hypothetical owner under indictment or facing criminal charges can't stop the corporate rep from testifying. The Fifth Amendment privilege is one against self-incrimination. It does not allow one who holds that privilege to prevent others from testifying, including a corporate representative for the organization that the person facing criminal charges owns. All right, so this is a great tool, both for lawyers that represent organizations and lawyers that sue them. So that's the tip for today. All right, before we wrap up, let's talk about an example where this was done. 
in the Enron securities litigation case in the show notes, counsel for the plaintiffs there noticed a corporate rep deposition to address topics relating to a due diligence review process, which if you handle securities litigation, you know is a big deal and a big part of those cases. So counsel for one of the defendants, Deutsche Bank, hired Robert Daines, a Stanford University Law School professor on corporate governance and finance. So on critical 30B topics in that securities litigation, what does the bank do? They bring in a heavy hitter to get it exactly right. Now, at least according to a motion filed by one of the plaintiffs over the selection of this individual as the corporate rep, Professor Daines had had no prior relationship of any kind with Deutsche Bank other than now serving as a fact witness, which is to say the 30B6 designee. According to that motion, Professor Daines was paid $700 to $750 an hour for the preparation and for his testimony as the designee. And according to a court order relating to this dispute, uh, Professor Daines had been paid approximately $150,000 as of the time of his deposition. Deutsche Bank's papers, which we cite in the show note, in case you want to look them up, cite both Rule 30b-6 and case law saying that the designated representative need not be someone who has ever been employed by or connected with an entity on whose behalf that person will speak. A side note, for what it's worth, Deutsche Bank uh, also cited case law and rules of professional responsibility saying that fact witnesses can, in some circumstances, be compensated for preparing to testify, for testifying, and for attending trial. And they add to that because Rule 30b-6 contemplates that a designee may not be an employee, the bank says. The only way to really implement that rule as written is to allow parties to reasonably compensate non-employee designees. In other words, they say, look, the rule says that if we don't have an employee we can designate, we've got to find someone and those folks aren't going to work for free. Now, the briefing in the Deutsche Bank memorandum for both sides is very thorough and an excellent resource if you ever encounter this issue. Okay, so that's it for today. Although the rule on its face places no limit on who you can select, it's not a widely appreciated concept that you can actually go out and hire someone, in effect, a subject matter expert on the facts that will be covered in a 30b-6 deposition not an expert as we think about experts in the context of Daubert and Fry, but someone to testify as a fact witness that happens to have expertise. It's a great way to turn potential weaknesses relating to a designee into one of your superpowers. Same thing if you're on the other side. If you're trying to set a corporate rep deposition and you get arguments that there isn't anybody that they can currently designate, now you know that's not correct. That opponent can literally choose anyone, but choosing no one isn't one of their options. All right, as always, thank you for listening. Now you know. Get out there and knock them dead. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.